0: Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient, comfortable. Ah.
1: Welcome to the Tyshin Seneca Business Brief, a joint podcast from the China Project and Tyshin Global we bring you the most critical business and finance news from China. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast, part of The China Project. On this week's episode, a softbank-backed Chinese robot startup has filed for a multi-million dollar IPO in Shanghai. LinkedIn will scale back its China presence amid market headwinds. U.S. auditors have found unacceptable rates of deficiencies in its China inspections and a banking veteran, is set to lead China's new financial regulator. Let's jump right in. China has decided to expel a Shanghai-based Canadian diplomat in a tit-for-tat move after Ottawa declared a Chinese envoy as persona non grata over alleged foreign interference activities. According to a Chinese Foreign Ministry statement, Jennifer Lin Lalonde, a consul of the Consulate General of Canada in Shanghai, has been asked to leave China by this Saturday. The announcement came after the Canadian government stated that Toronto-based Chinese diplomat Zhao Wei is no longer welcome in Canada after allegations of China's interference in domestic affairs. Canada's intelligence agency had earlier accused Zhao of gathering information on a member of the Canadian parliament, according to local media. Sino-Canadian relations aside, Sino-EU relations are also under pressure. China's Foreign Minister Qin Gang said the country would react strictly and strongly to any penalties imposed on its companies by the EU for supplying Russia with so-called dual-use goods that can be used for both military and civilian purposes. The EU's executive arm has proposed extending strict trade restrictions to several Chinese companies as it tries to crack down on firms supplying the Kremlin with banned goods and technologies that have aided its war machine in Ukraine. Qin said China does not deliver any weapons to crisis nations or crisis regions. He also warned against disrupting what he called the normal exchange between Chinese and Russian companies. Let's turn now to the business sector. SoftBank-backed Chinese robot startup Jaka Robotics its Chinese name is Jieka Jixixian, plans to raise 750 million yuan, or slightly over 100 million U.S. dollars, in an IPO on Shanghai's NASDAQ-like star market. The Shanghai-based company said it plans to use more than 400 million yuan of the proceeds to produce smart robots and some 300 million yuan to build research and development centers. The remainder will be used to supplement working capital. Founded in 2014, Jaka makes collaborative robots known as cobots, which are meant to work alongside humans in various industries ranging from car manufacturing to logistics. In the first half of the year, Jaka raised around 150 million US dollars in a series D funding round, drawing investors including the SoftBank Vision Fund 2 and Singapore's state-owned investment firm Temasek. Moving on to the latest in U.S. internet firms retreating from China. LinkedIn will significantly downsize its business in China, citing fierce competition and a challenging macroeconomic climate. The company said this week that it will shut down its local jobs app in China in August and cut 174 positions in the country. In an email to employees, CEO Ryan Roslansky said the company will focus its China strategy on assisting companies operating in the country to hire, market, and train abroad. LinkedIn joins other U.S. Internet companies, including tech giant Amazon and rental platform Airbnb, to scale back operations in China. Coming up next, let's look at the development of the U.S.-China audit episode. According to the results of its week-long review, the U.S. audit watchdog found unacceptable rates of deficiencies in its inspections last year of audits of U.S.-traded Chinese companies. The U.S. Public Company Accounting Oversight Board, or PCAOB, said it examined eight audits conducted by PwC in Hong Kong and KPMG Quadrant on the Chinese mainland. It turned up significant shortcomings in 75% of the audits by PwC and in all of those by KPMG Huazhen. Under PCAOB rules, accounting firms will have up to a year to rectify deficiencies identified by the regulator. The regulator carried out the inspections under a landmark agreement to resolve a long-standing dispute between China and the U.S. The dispute is over access by American authorities to audit work papers for Chinese companies whose shares trade in the U.S. It was the first time American officials got complete access to accounting records of Chinese businesses following more than a decade of tough negotiations. Let's wrap up today's business brief with a much-anticipated leadership appointment. Li Yunze, a seasoned banker and current vice governor of Sichuan province, has been appointed to lead China's newly established National Financial Regulator. Li, 52, has been named Communist Party Chief of the State Administration for Financial Regulation, which is responsible for overseeing all sectors of the financial industry, excluding securities. His main task will be to maintain stability and curb risks in the country's vast financial sector. Li is a veteran in the industry with more than two decades of experience in two of China's big four state-owned banks. Let's turn now to Kelsey Chung, reporter for Caixin Global and co-producer of this program. Hello, Kelsey, and welcome back to the show.
0: Hello, Kaiser. Thanks. It's great to be back again.
1: So today we're going to talk about an increasingly popular destination for Chinese companies to invest and uh, do business in. Yes, and and we're not actually talking about Singapore or even Hong Kong.
0: Yes, that's right. We're talking about Saudi Arabia. Uh Aha. So following the 2016 launch of Vision 2030, and since Mohammed bin Salman became crown prince in 2017, Saudi Arabia has undergone unprecedented change. The country has rolled out supportive policies for startups, boosted tourism, eased religious restrictions, and for the first time allowed women to drive. In fact, many local Chinese residents dubbed it the country's reform and opening up. And in recent years, China has boosted its business and political connections with the kingdom. In March, Beijing brokered a peace agreement between Saudi Arabia and Iran. And in December, President Xi Jinping visited Riyadh for the China Gulf Cooperation Council Summit and the first China Arab States Summit. That month, Saudi and Chinese companies signed a total of 34 investment deals spanning across sectors including green energy, IT, cloud services, transportations, and medical care.
1: Yes, those were definitely historic.
0: And in terms of trade, Saudi Arabia has been China's largest trading partner in the Middle East since 2001, and China has been Saudi Arabia's largest trading partner for a decade. And last year, trade of goods between the two countries jumped more than 30%. The pandemic definitely helped spur demand, particularly in areas including e-commerce, fintech, and uh, so-called last-mile delivery. At the same time, there is a growing gap in China's capital markets as tensions between the U.S. and China worsen. Investment from U.S. dollar funds in China has fallen rapidly, and as a result, some Chinese investment funds and businesses seeking to raise capital have suggested that money from the Middle East could help fill the hole.
1: A lot of great opportunities there. Uh, Do we have any examples of how exactly Chinese companies are benefiting from all of this? Sure.
0: Venture capital investor EWTP Arabia Capital, which is backed by Alibaba and Saudi sovereign wealth fund PIF, is one of the first institutions with Chinese backing to have set up shop in Saudi Arabia. The VC firm specializes in helping Chinese companies expand to the Middle East and North Africa. And a partner of the firm told us that their team had met with more than 500 Chinese companies and investors uh, last year alone, reflecting an increasing interest in the Saudi market. At the same time, the cloud services units of tech giants like Alibaba and Huawei, as well as AI software developer SenseTime and logistics firm SF Holdings have all expanded in the kingdom.
1: And do we know why Saudi is so particularly appealing
0: Yes, a logistics company executive told us that they've decided on choosing its headquarters in Riyadh because Saudi Arabia has the largest consumer market in the Middle East and its infrastructure, which covers road, rail and port, is rapidly improving. And EWT Arabia Capital, the VC firm that I just mentioned, they said gaming, mobile advertising, and online entertainment are hot sectors in the Middle East now and have been performing better than other emerging markets. At the same time, the kingdom is becoming a new frontier for startups, as they can get support from government-run investment institutions in addition to angel investors. They can also enjoy preferential corporate tax policies. One director at another VC firm said Saudi Arabia has achieved in the past three years what other regions might take 10 years to accomplish in terms of fostering an entrepreneur-friendly business environment.
1: That's very impressive. And I trust investments have been flowing in the opposite direction as well.
0: Yes, that's right. Saudi investment in China is also gaining momentum. In March alone, state-owned energy giant Saudi Aramco announced two investment projects in China, which totals about 50 billion yuan, around uh, 7 billion U.S. dollars.
1: But doing business in Saudi is easier said than done, right?
0: Yeah, a lot of Chinese companies have to deal with significant market and cultural differences. Another executive at the logistics company said it took her team nearly two years to reconfigure its systems in order to tackle the way delivery addresses are used in Saudi Arabia, which still doesn't have a standardized address system. Hence, experts say that for foreign components to have a chance in succeeding in the Saudi market, local knowledge and a supply chain on the ground are crucial. This is also why many Chinese tech firms are adopting a joint venture model.
1: That's all great to know. Thank you so much, Kelsey, for all of that information.
0: You're most welcome, Kaiser. Let's talk next time.
1: And if our listeners would like to read more about how Chinese firms have been flocking to Saudi Arabia, please head online to CaixinGlobal.com. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Syndicate Business Brief was produced by Kaiser Guo and by Lin Jingbing, Bertrand, Tio, and Zizan Wang at Caixin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Check out some of the other great podcasts on the Seneca Network, like the amazing China in Africa podcast and Strangers in China. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to Access from the China Project. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.